Activia offers a range of yogurts which are a delicious way to look after your gut health. From the fruit range with carefully selected ingredients to no added sugar and 0% fat offering, as well as a cereals range, there's an Activia for everyone. Made with a unique blend of five ferments creating an irresistibly creamy texture, each pot of Activia is a source of calcium, making it the perfect addition to your daily routine. Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. This is an Irish independent podcast. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, we all want to live our best lives, get as much done out of our time as possible. That, however, can be easier said than done. Life can sometimes get in the way, from work to finances and everything else in between. But what if you were told you had a life-limiting illness? What would you do differently? This week, I'm delighted to be joined by John Wall, who was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer in 2017. While he had to come to terms with this, his approach to life is all about seizing the day. John, a very big welcome to the show. How's it going? Carl, very good. A pleasure to be here and thanks for the uh, the opportunity. Great to talk to you. Well, you came all the way from Clare today. I did. Much, I much appreciated. Drove up this morning and a beautiful drive it was too. Sun shining, music blaring. What more could I ask for? I was on the train on the way up thinking, not, not dissimilar, looking at the window. The sky was blue, had some good music on. It was nice. Let's start by chatting about life uh, pre-diagnosis, if that's okay. Sure, Tell yeah. us a little bit of like about life and about yourself. Myself, married, uh, three children and uh, lived what I thought was a pretty good life, had a good job. And uh, I possibly, I look back at it now and I took a lot for granted, took an awful lot for granted at the time. And uh, it's only when, you know, when, you, when you're told that things, uh, that there's trouble on the horizon, that you start to focus the mind. And for me, um, to put it very simply, the day I was told I was going to die was the day I started to live. It was uh, it was a real eye opener for me and those around me, but uh, fortunately, uh, we were able to to deal with it uh, physically and mentally over the last uh, number of years. And um, you know, I'm doing uh, doing very well at the moment. It's not going to last, but uh, I think that's the point that when you do recognise that um, you have a period where where you're independent, where uh, mentally and physically you you are where you need to be to live your best life. Well, go for it because. Um, you only get uh, you only get one shot at life, and you know that's applicable to all of us. And whether you're in good health or not, is we get one life. So my own mantra is carpe diem, and it's uh, seize the moment for me, seize the day, and I do. And you know, on saying that, it's not all plain sailing. Um, there's been a, a lot of bumps on the road, but they don't define who I am or dictate how I live my life. Bumps are only, for me, something that can be just overcome and move on to the next chapter, wherever that may be or wherever, you know, whatever it may be. And uh, I've been really, really fortunate. Um, For example, this summer, I've had the most amazing summer that I I never thought possible. And in my wildest dreams over the last five years, I never thought that I'd be able to do the things with family and friends that I've been able to do this summer. But it's happened. And I think... um, a lot of that has to do with just um, living your best life. A good friend of mine, sadly no longer with us, um, told me once upon a time that, that 
one of the most profound bits of advice I've ever got, but so simple. Live your best life. And that will mean something different, I guess, for every person and that hears it. But for me, it was don't sweat the small stuff. And every day that you're able to, to get up um, and look forward to a, a day with, you know, your family, friends, walking the beach, walking the dog, um, reading a book, whatever it may be. It's a good day. It's a really good day. And um for me, the last uh, the last four or five months in particular have been absolutely amazing. And this approach is presumably very different to prior to diagnosis. Prior to, yeah. Where you yeah. sweat at the small stuff like the rest of us do. I was constantly sweating the small stuff. Um, I was always thinking ahead uh, and almost, you know, negatively in a sense of what was going to happen or rather what wasn't going to happen or if we were, you know going to go away on a holiday or not going to go away on a holiday or the kids if if um, if I was having a, an argument with one of them or something. And it was, I look back and it was just a, I brought a lot of negativity into my life and I guess uh, consequently those around me. It's not something I consciously did, but um, it took the diagnosis um, that I'm living with to finally open my eyes and say, you know what, there's more to life than this. And um, it's the simple things, you know, there's a, I remember prior to diagnosis, there was, there was so many things right in front of my eyes that I, I never saw. I, never, I, was, I was blinded by life um, or my perception of life. And the things that, that, you, that I certainly can, can gain most enjoyment or help me gain most enjoyment out of life are right in front of me. They were there all along. I just didn't see them. And uh, that's a really sad thing to say. But I think for a lot of us, um, in varying degrees, that can be the case. Uh, now I see them every single day. Um, every day is a good day regardless. And yeah, as I said, there are, um, there are ups and downs. But um, that's life. And far, more, far, far more ups than, than downs in recent times. And uh, I'm very thankful for it. Very, very thankful. And tell us about the, the diagnosis itself then. Tell us through that on that day. Yeah, this was the 25th of July, 2017. And I went to my GP with what I thought was uh, possibly sciatica, just a, a pain in my right leg. I knew there was something wrong, uh, but nerve pain or something. I wasn't at all concerned about it. Um, and that evening in the, in the space of, I guess, about four or five hours, I went from my GP to the Galway Clinic and straight away um, the consultant, the neurologist that I saw in the Galway Clinic knew there was something seriously wrong. And uh, over the course of the next week or so, it became very apparent that it wasn't just something wrong. It was, um, it was something very, very seriously wrong, potentially life-limiting. And as it transpired, yeah, it, it, uh, it was life-limiting. Um, so it was a real shock to the system um, for myself and those around me. It was a, it was a very bleak period in our, in our lives. Um, it's, it's not something you can ever prepare for. But, uh, you know, with the support of family and friends, we got through it. Um, and looking back now, I think we were very, very fortunate that, uh, I guess, we took the decisions medically that we did. Um, I had treatment at both uh, home and abroad. And uh, without the treatment abroad, um, 
wasn't experimental, by the way. It was a routine treatment in uh, University Hospital Leuven, just something that wasn't available in Ireland and um, something that I had to go abroad for. Were it not for that, I would not be talking to you here now. It's quite simple. And um, that's a wake-up call for me, actually, even even when I say that. Um, it makes me, I, I guess, uh, savour life and uh, be thankful for the life that I have, uh, not the life that I'm not going to have. It's, it's the here and now that counts. Um, so had the treatment and uh, there was a, a long recuperation uh, period after that. There was a couple of years, my, my body changed, my physically and mentally, it's real, real challenge. Um, but I got a lot of counselling and uh, the help that was offered to me, I took it. Um, prior to that, I guess, I was a very stubborn uh, individual that uh, said, yeah, you know what? <clears throat> I can deal with this. I can I can handle it, no problem. Um, no man's an island, and I certainly wasn't. I was uh, I was I needed help, and I recognised that. So I took every ounce of help that I could get, and uh, it worked. I gradually, I suppose, got to a point in my own mind, not necessarily the body, um, but certainly the mind initially, where uh, just accepting of what was happening, not that what had happened, because I can't change the past but what was happening and what is going to happen. And for me, acceptance of the fact that um, I'm living with uh, a terminal disease was, uh, was for me, that was, that was the defining moment for me where I could move forward and say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't resent the fact. Um, in actual fact, I suppose, if anything, I've embraced the whole thing. Um, because it's now who I am. It's the person that I have become and um, I'm making the most of it. And opportunities like this is part of that moment, part of that journey for me. And I find it therapeutic to be able to, um, to share my lived experience. It helps uh, others, I guess, because the feedback that I get is that um, it helps them. But just as important for me, it, it helps me. And it means that all this um, isn't for nothing in that uh, when I look back over the last number of years and the opportunities that have arisen as a result of the diagnosis, I think that's a, that's a magical journey that, you know, I never thought I'd have, that I never thought would be part of my life. And not only that, the people you meet along the way, most of them are now my best friends. A lot of the people that I've met that I otherwise would never have met, they're now my best friends. And that puts us, even just thinking about that, it puts a smile on my face. So I have, um, I have a whole community out there that I, I, would, I would never have been part of. And it's not that uh, I wish it had never happened to myself or my loved ones, but the point is it has. And, you know, there's no point in looking back and none of us have the benefit of hindsight, so I can't change anything. But I can, I suppose, just acceptance of the, the present and knowing that whatever the future holds, that uh, I lived my best life in between. That's important. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. A powerful episode of Real Health. I'm sitting here kind of absorbing this in person, and I'm sure you are too, because we all get caught up in life. This is one of the reasons we wanted this type of episode. Um, even on a personal level, having moved to West Cork from Dublin, I can... I, the simple things are becoming a lot more pleasurable. You do, you, it changes your outlook on stuff. And, you know, 
with a very tough few months ahead in terms of every newspaper, every radio station, it's all negative news about what's coming. We thought we we would we would, you know, have this type of chat with someone because we can gain a lot from it in terms of our outlook on things and just, you know, listening to you already, just how you frame things, how you see things. Or it's it's dramatically, it, it's it's just so powerful for people who are, who are listening in. What stage is the, if I can ask, is the cancer right now? How does, how does that look from a... Sure, yeah. Um, I came off uh, voluntarily uh, hormone treatment uh, last November and it was a decision I didn't take lightly because uh, as prostate cancer is uh, hormone-driven and uh, a hormone suppressant uh, keeps the, the cancer at bay as well. But um, after five years of it, there were there was a lot of side effects that I was dealing with uh, mentally and physically that were proving extremely challenging. So I took the decision to take, um, take a break from the hormone treatment. And my last checkup was uh, only last week. And my testosterone levels are rising, uh, albeit slowly, but they're rising again. And uh, that's slightly problematic in that um, there will be a corresponding uh, increase in due course in my PSA levels. Now, an increase in my PSA levels spells trouble with a capital T. Yeah. Because uh, when diagnosed, the cancer was um, on a scale of one to, terms, uh, one to ten in terms of uh, aggressiveness. It was ten, unfortunately. So when it's... Um, when the PSA starts to rise, um, it's going to mean trouble. So it's a, I have a decision to take over the, the, the months ahead, whether I remain off the hormone treatment or go back on it, knowing the, uh, the side effects. And there's a, there's a fine line uh, where quality of life is incredibly important. And I'm saying that it's different for absolutely everybody. And uh, for me, it's something I'm starting to think about again, uh, whether I go back on, on that treatment. Um, I cannot, uh, I cannot say definitively now what that answer is going to be, but it will be done in conjunction um, with my multidisciplinary team and whatever I'm advised to do will more than likely, that's what's going to happen. Um, I don't think too far ahead in terms of um, what's going to happen because if I go down that road, it's a very bleak place. Um, at the start of this journey, I used to think about... Um, you know, my, my kids' graduation or grandchildren or retirement and the things that I'm not going to, to be able to enjoy. And I found it very hard at a personal level to deal and overcome the emotions associated with that kind of um, thought process. But now, not now for the last, I suppose, number of years, I've recognised I don't need to go there because what's important is the here and now. And, you know, the next week or two type of thing. I don't need to go to a place where, I suppose, in all honesty, I'm probably not going to be around. So uh, how do you overcome? How do you how do you try and to deal with something like that? Well, by living and by enjoying the moment, because, this, uh, as I said to you already, carpe diem and the, the things that um, are for you won't pass you by. And that's how uh, that's how I deal with it. It has worked for me. Will it work for everybody? I'm sure not, but there are certainly elements of, I guess, so how I deal with things that might help others. And it is absolutely crucial that we talk. I was a very proud individual and uh, associated with my diagnosis would be um, my manhood, uh, a lot of uh, issues with my body, uh, 
that um, you know were, were personally very difficult for me and challenging to deal with. Um, but I think it's important that there are now parts of my body that simply do not work and um, they'll never work again. And we don't need to, I suppose, be a genius to figure out what parts I'm talking about, but it's a fact. And I could have thought about that once upon a time. How in the name of God does a guy deal with something like that? Mm -hmm. And those in your life, that's just as important. By not ignoring them and by not ignoring the obvious, um, there's still a lot of me left and there's still a lot of me here. There's still a lot of living to be done. There's still a lot of loving to give. And um, where there's a will, there's a way. Chat to me about the palliative care that you received post-surgery. Yeah. Post tell, tell us about that. Palliative was a word for me that uh, evoked all kinds of images and uh, there was negative associations with the word palliative for me. I couldn't have been further, I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, palliative for me at the time was pain control, which I learned very, very quickly. After surgery, uh, for actually well over a year, I was in a lot of pain, and uh, various different consultants tried to get a handle on the pain and really adversely affecting my quality of life. And I was beginning to think this was it for me, that I just had to suck it up. Um, but one introduction to a palliative consultant changed everything and took one look at the medications that I was on and the, uh, the treatments that I was after having and found a drug that worked for me, that's still working for me and given me a quality of life that I once thought was gone, that I'd never be able to experience again. Um, now, palliative care, um, the, the range of services they provide to people with a life-limiting illness and their families, uh, which is really, really important, um, is just incredible. Uh, with a, there's, a, there's a holistic approach to palliative care as well in terms of, uh, we'll say, counselling services, um, complementary treatments, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, would help you, I guess, um, psychologically will hurt, certainly helped me. Uh, was recce and um, reflexology, um, and there's a, there's a whole world out there uh, that palliative care. Uh, there's a whole world for the the patient for their families uh, that you need to explore to be able to avail of, and it's not something to be afraid of. It's something to embrace. Palliative care teams are there to help you to make. Um, to make life as comfortable as possible and not necessarily in um, the latter months or the latter stages of life. It's to make life itself more comfortable. For me, as I said, it was pain control and they are experts in pain control. Um, help families um, and there will come a point in this where I will be seeking the services of palliative care in a different format. But that's fine too. Uh, because I've I've seen what palliative services do at the latter stages and um, I've seen the immense benefit to the patient, to the family, to the friends. And um, I've seen that quite a bit because uh, unfortunately I've lost uh, people en route. And, um, but I also, I'm, I'm, I cannot, you know, I cannot, in, not necessarily endorse, but... Um, I cannot tell you how much, how grateful I am 
um, and are grateful the families that I've seen and uh, that have used the palliative care services in this country, how grateful they are for the services that are provided. They make things so much easier um, for patients, carers, families. Um, and I think it's it's a, there's a taboo with the word palliative that we need to overcome. It's not necessarily latter stages. It is, yes, availed of by people with life-limiting illnesses. And yes, I am a person with a life-limiting illness. But I'm not planning on going anywhere today or tomorrow. And I still have absolutely no issue whatsoever in saying that uh, palliative care is something that it has probably single-handedly given me the quality of life that I have. I was whatever about the, the mental attitude. If you have a pain in the background, uh, just this nagging pain, and in my case it was pretty severe, just you couldn't get rid of it. I was bedridden. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't function correctly and it wasn't getting any better. It is now, thankfully, and something that's under control. Um, but also I don't fear the word palliative. I am certainly, and when the time comes, I'll be knocking on their door loudly and uh, I'll be seeking, the, seeking their help to, to, to help me and my loved ones get through the latter stages of my life. My final question is this, is that what do you say to people who are listening in, in the cars, on the train, on the bus, out for a walk, who are, you know, sweating the small stuff, who are going through normal stresses about life and about the future and about the winter and about COVID and about whatever else, you know, that they're, they're sweating about. And the reason that we wanted to do this type of episode was to really talk to them and say, well, look, here's, you know, someone who has a different perspective on things. What do you say to them? First of all, I understand why that people sweat uh, the small stuff. I did it myself for most of my most of my adult life. Um, but I'd also like to to say to people, just take a step back. I'm living in the same world as everyone else is living in. I hear the same news, um, you know, whether it be the the pandemic, for example, the last couple of years. Um, I thought that was it for me. Is this how I'm going to end my days? isolated and alone um, and I go I have the same emotions in terms of the the negative uh, feeds that you see in your your news feeds that you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of difficult uh, things happening in all our lives um but it's it's a question of perspective and it's a question of how do you deal um how do you deal with the negatives in your life by not ignoring them um Death is part of my life now. And as I said to you earlier on, that uh, it's the day that I was told I was going to die was the day that I genuinely started to live. And I would say, don't sweat. Don't sweat the, the small stuff. Don't sweat anything. Just look right in front of you. Uh, what I missed for years were things that were right in front of my eyes. But I never took the time. I never took the time out to actually see them, to enjoy them, to... Um, the people in your life to uh, to take time out and just appreciate what uh, what life has to offer, and I think in in most circumstances, uh, life can all offer something positive. You just have to be able to recognize it, um, and then take the time out of your schedule, whatever it may be to actually practice what you preach. For me, for example, yesterday evening, a friend of mine said to me, um, 
trying to go for a swim. And more and more in recent, uh, certainly over the last 12 months, um, I, I do spend a lot of time in the sea, but on my own because I'm very conscious of my weight. Uh, one of the things that uh, that prostate cancer, uh, one of the, the things the treatment has done to me, it has I've put on an awful lot of weight and uh, there's a lot of muscle wastage and it's very, very difficult to keep it under control. Um, along with uh, something that we often joke about as men actually, but man boobs. Mm-hmm. I have a huge problem with them mm-hmm. because, the uh, again, yeah. uh, it's the, the hormone <clears throat> treatment. And I'm very conscious of that. Um, but yesterday evening in Lehinch, I bared all. I said, <laughs> I'm going out. And I did. And do you know what? It was really exhilarating. I said to myself afterwards, why are you hiding yourself, John? Um, there's there's no need. Normally with family and friends, I have no problem. I will not normally. I have absolutely no problem. But yesterday evening, there was a good crowd around. And I said, nah, I, it doesn't bother me yeah. anymore. And do you know what? It didn't. And I was... Uh, I was thrilled with myself afterwards. Only a small little thing, but it meant an awful lot to me. Um, and yeah, there were one or two people that looked and I just smiled at them and said, yeah, that's me. That's who I am. And I'm proud of me. I know people, I know, well, I know you're on Twitter. If people yeah. want to follow you and people will want to follow you after this interview, I'm sure I get in touch with you. How can they touch base? My Twitter handle is Walls2, W-A-L-L-S-2. Um it's my, I suppose, my preferred medium over the last number of years. And it's uh, social media has been very, very good to me. Um, my DMs are open and uh, I'm not trained in anything else other than life. So I don't give medical advice. I just, if I, if my shared experience can help others, fantastic. Um, it's, you know, as I said, my DMs are open. So if anybody wants to get in touch, uh, please do so. And uh, I'll get back to you, have a chat and just if I can help in any way. Here I am. And I know Palliative Care Week is taking place this week until Saturday, the 17th of September. If there's there's one to find out more, tell us where they can go. Yeah, um, the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care are an organisation that I've been involved with over the last several months. Uh, and I must say, it has given me an invaluable insight um, into what needs to be done, what is being done, and what needs to be done. The, the It's... it's um, there's, there's a, a lot of investment uh, needed, but in fairness, uh, we're, uh, I think as a, as a nation, we're doing an awful lot better. And the important part of this, it's uh, north and south. Um, it's an all-island all approach, which is really important. And uh, website is thepalliativehub.com. Whether you're a healthcare professional, whether you're a care, whether you're a patient, whether you're a family member, whether you're a parent, whatever it is, there's an absolute wealth of information uh, on that site. Um, along with, uh, for example, the Irish Hospice Foundation, you have the Marie Keating Foundation, Irish Cancer Society. There's a lot of information, but the palliativehub.com uh, I found extremely beneficial. That's everything people need. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. You know where we are, at Carl Henry PT on Instagram, or you can email us at realhealth at independent.ie. John, thank you so much for coming in today and sharing your incredible story. And uh, our, our listeners will absolutely appreciate it, as do we. Thank you so much. Folks, we'll see you next week. Sláin Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.